Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. And this is episode number three. And we are reviewing My Hero Academia season four, episode 22, School Festival Start. Um, As always, there will be plenty of spoilers throughout this episode, so you have been warned. I think we forgot to mention this the last time. I know... As we started this podcast, um, reviewing these episodes on the last episode, right? Yeah, because our first episode was talking about um, Heroes Rising. So I think the plan is that eventually we will kind of do a catch-up of season four, or even just the entire series. Yeah, so I think what we'll do is, since we're already so late into the season, um, we'll wrap up the season and we'll either have... A, com- a combo season finale episode plus our thoughts on season four or if we have enough to talk about we'll do a separate episode um where we just talk about our thoughts about season four as a whole um but yeah yeah you might as well call this the strictly my hero series because that's all we've been talking about but... so far so far but we have plans to to add more um more anime to to our list. I'm mm. currently watching Inspector, um, which I think is nearing the end of season one. We're a few episodes away, so I plan to do a, a full season recap on that. Um, I know that the new My Teen Romantic Comedy or My ro- Romantic Youth Comedy, whatever, Snafu. I forget the name of it, which is, which is terrible. But anyway, season three is coming out April 9th. Um, and I binge watched the first two seasons of that, so I'll be doing a season one and two recap um, and, and general thoughts, and then go into weekly uh, reviews similar to the to the My Hero uh, reviews, where I'll I'll talk about each week's episode because I'm watching that, but I don't think you're watching that. No, well, we did wrap up uh, Promise Neverland. Remember, we binge watched that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So we'll probably have something put together for that. Yeah, we'll do a, a recap of season one for that in preparation for season two, which I think comes out this fall. Very excited about that. And of course, Attack on Titan, the final season, season four, oh, yeah. also coming out, I think, in the fall. So there's plenty of stuff to look forward to and plenty of stuff that we're watching. And it just started downpouring. So if you hear <laughs> some rain in the background, just know that that's what that is. Oh, <laughs> man. Crazy times. Crazy times. We're quarantined because of coronavirus, COVID-19 precautions. Not that we have it, but obviously everyone's staying home. And hopefully you're listening to this in a safe space away from any potential infections. Yeah. And we're here to take your mind off things by talking anime, right? Yeah, that's the beauty of being quarantined. Now we can watch a ton of anime, more so than we do, and play a ton more video games. Exactly. All right, so let's get into it. Um, So season four, episode 22, school festivals start. Um, You want to kick us off with a synopsis? Yeah, so just like last time, I pulled this off from tvtropes.org. Um, School Festival Start is the 22nd episode of My Hero Academia's fourth season and the 85th episode overall. Midoriya's battle with Gentle continues as the hour gets closer and closer to 1A's performance. Midoriya proves to be a match for Gentle until La Brava uses her quirk, love, to give him a temporary boost of strength. 
As Midoriya tries to subdue him, both Gentle and Labrava's pasts are revealed. He turned to villainy after failing at being a hero and being unrecognized by a former classmate. She became his sidekick after being rejected by a boy in middle school and chanting upon one of Gentle's videos. Eventually, Midoriya is able to beat Gentle. Labrava's last-ditch attempt to hack into UA's security system is thwarted when Hound Dog and Ectoplasm find them. Gentle downplays Labrava's involvement so she can escape as he turns himself in. So yeah, I I think that this episode is interesting, but I'm I, I at the end of the episode I felt relieved that this gentle arc is done because as I said in the last um, podcast episode, I am just not convinced. I'm not I'm not um, captivated by Gentle and Labrava's story. It just feels like they are there for the sake of having a villain, um, and I'm not. I'm not always convinced by having something for the sake of having something. Um, the backstory was, was nice. I think it added more depth to the characters, but it's adding depth to characters that I'm probably never going to see again. Or maybe from time to time, Midoriya will think back to this fight and then that's it. It's kind of like Stain, although Stain felt like he had more of a, a permanent effect on the overall story because he was the driving force for the League of Villains to come together, well, sort of, um, and for, for villainy to kind of really start to, to snowball in society. So I, overall, with this episode, I, I enjoyed it. I, I think it's it had some interesting themes, which we'll touch on, um, but I'm I'm over it, and I'm, I'm excited for the next episode, which actually is the start of the school festival, not really this episode, even though it's called School Festival Start. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page with you. Um, <clears throat> I like that this episode seemed to provide a quick conclusion to um, the battle between Midoriya and Gentle. Um, I do kind of like the backstory that they presented here with both Abrava and with Gentle um, to kind of delve into what their motivations for turning to this life of crime was. Um I think that was more in service to the story and maybe it was it would have been more efficient if they brought up this backstory earlier um, but again I think this they introduced it now to serve more as a plot device although it felt kind of rushed in that sense um, instead of them establishing their backstory a couple episodes prior to this um, but yeah I guess this kind of makes you look forward to the coming episodes where they do focus on the school festival arc. Um, personally, I liked the story between Joker and Harley. I mean, <laughs> Gentle and <laughs> La Brava, because that's all I picture them as. Um, Basically. <laughs> yeah. And because I thought, like, I mentioned this in the last episode, I thought Gentle was a more um, unique kind of criminal uh, in contrast to what you see from Stain or the League of Villains and going back again to these Dark Knight um, similarities um, the, the one quote that kept sticking out to me when watching these two episodes was this town needs a better class of criminal which is kind of what Joker says in the Dark Knight um, when it comes to him facing off against Batman and Gotham and Although a lot of that is set up in the previous episode, I don't think it really gets paid off here 
But like you said, there's a lot of things, I think, with Gentle and La Brava story that offer great analysis. And yeah, hopefully we can kind of delve into that now. Yeah, well, I think so. We, we've both expressed some some grievances with the the whole gentle arc, and here we are at what is hopefully or seemingly the conclusion. So let's talk about what we do like about at least this episode and the backstory, because I do have some interesting takeaways. Again, the, the backstory is nice to have. I don't feel like I need to have it um, unless they're going to be long-term or main villains, or at least secondary villains. Um, but I do like and appreciate that it adds a lot of gray area to villains versus heroes, because... Mm-hmm they state very clearly that while slightly different at the core, Midoriya and Gentle have the same goals. They just have different ways of going about it. They have a similar goal, as they say, and they have someone that they're they're pushing towards this goal for. Um, Gentle being Labrava and then Midoriya being uh, Eddie. Um, and I guess to, to some points, Medio as well. Um, and I like that how the, it echoes how this show overall um, doesn't just play to the typical hero and villain trope. It It's not regular people becoming villains because they were... Um, or it's, it's more so regular people becoming villains because they were wronged in some way, although their intentions were good. Or maybe they have some innate bad in them, but again, their intentions are good, which is kind of what I think about with, with Stain, um, versus the, the typical trope of it being someone born evil or they just are evil with no real explanation which always seems a little bit too convenient so i like that there's a reason they, they take the time to explain that there's a reason that these what are supposed to be normal people in society who just happen to have quirks choose the path of villainy over being a hero um and with with gentle it's he he's he's somebody who starts off as really wanting to do good, wants to become a hero, just like Midoriya, um, is told that he he's not good enough or isn't strong enough or intelligent enough to become a hero. He has a quirk that is useful, but is more of a defense quirk, in my opinion, so it's, it's not as easy to become a hero. Um, and he tries to save that guy. He tries to save the guy falling from the building. He, he wants to do the right thing. He is doing the right thing, but again, because... He's not as intelligent or quick on his feet as actual heroes or people with hero potential. He makes a mistake and the guy ends up getting hurt and then he's charged with a crime and um, he's what well, seemingly disowned by his family, etc. And Labrava states multiple times that he doesn't like violence, which shows again that he has good intentions on the inside perhaps or has at least a good heart, but because whether you consider it as society failing him or because he's not talented enough by, you know, by hero standards, he's driven to, or compelled to, because no one really pushes him to be a villain, but he's compelled to and chooses to become a villain at the end of it. And then funny enough, still fails. But yeah, those are, those are some of the things that I, I liked about this, this backstory. Yeah. And kind of touching upon the same points, although, like I said, it's pretty late in the game for them to have put this together. Uh, but there's a lot of humanity that is added to the villain's backstory. And it kind of harkens back to um, an interview that we watched of Adam Driver um, talking about how he approached the role of Kylo Ren in the new Star Wars movies and how it's better to view a villain 
as not evil for the sake of being evil, but that they truly believe it, that what they are doing is for a greater good that they see. Yeah, or like they truly believe what, what they're doing is, is right versus what the heroes think is right. Yeah, and you see a lot of that with Gentle and La Brava. Obviously, starting with La Brava's backstory, um, we do actually know their uh, true names. I don't think they've been mentioned before in the series. Um, La Brava's being Aiba and Gentle's being uh, Tobita. Um, and as much as I like to make comparisons between them and Harley and Joker, I think there are a lot of comparisons that you can draw between um, La Brava and Gentle's relationship along with um, Midoriya and All Might's relationship. So kind of like that they serve as each other's foils. Because um, obviously La Brava f- fell in love with um, Gentle by watching a couple videos of him on the internet uh, in a form of almost like celebrity worship. Um, and she took the courage to go to his house and beg for him to allow her to be like his partner in crime. Um, and you see Gentle kind of willingly accept that because he, he hasn't really, or at least from what I've seen, like he hasn't expected that kind of partnership or kind of relationship with others, others before. And again, that's very similar to how Midoriya formed his relationship with All Might, where All Might kind of accepted Midoriya even though Midoriya was quirkless. And this is, I guess, similar in that gentle is accepting a brava into his life even though like he's he's not sure what she can bring to the table at that point yeah it's interesting that like they they're the only ones who accepted each other when they were rejected by everyone else although i i would say gentle had way more rejection and way more struggle than what la brava went through although we, we only got a piece of her backstory um but at the end of the day like it's it's cute I think it's it helps to maybe kind of make their relationship less creepy. But at the end of the day, their relationship is creepy to me because they made a 21-year-old look like a 10-year-old mm-hmm. and they made a 30-something-year-old look like a 70-year-old and then put them in a romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll probably never get over that thing, although they're, they're interesting characters. Yeah. And again, going t- back to what their similarities are with our protagonist... Gentle, I think, shares a lot of traits with Midoriya. First and foremost, uh, I think even... What's her name? Even Labrava mentions just how gentle... and Both Gentle and Midoriya won't give up in this fight. Um, it really shows how much resolve they have in completing their mission and doing what they think is the right thing. But I think that the difference... With Gentle, and again with any of the villains that you see in My Hero, is the path that they choose. Because I guess in some ways you can say Gentle had the potential of becoming a hero. And obviously that was what his motivation was um, in the flashback that we see. Much like Midoriya wanted to become a hero, even though he had no quirks in the beginning. But the key thing that sets them apart is that when Gentle was at his lowest point and not being recognized by his old high school classmate, right? Yeah. Um, he turns to a book, and I wrote the title of the book down, The History of Supervillainy. Um, so it's more of 
him trying to get the easy way out, basically. Whereas Midoriya kind of sticks to his morals, and like he obviously we see him work with All Might, and he gets one for all, and he really builds upon what he believes is the right thing. And I think what this episode addresses is like as much as you might share the same dreams, whether you're a villain or a hero, it's the path that you choose to get to that dream. Right. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, going back to how this show really puts a lot of gray area. So we've seen a couple of villain backstories by now, and it's always like something is a driving force, is a catalyst in them choosing the villain path. But at the end of the day, nobody is forcing them to become villains. You could even mm-hmm. say like society wronged them and society rejected them and therefore they became a villain, but it's because they chose to become a villain. Midoriya, I guess he wasn't really wronged by society, but but society deems him as not hero potential because he doesn't have a quirk. Or even if he did have a quirk, but it wasn't hero material, then society could 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 deem him as not still not being hero potential. But he didn't let even having no quirk hold him back from becoming a hero. So that just proves that these villains who were in a tough situation could have still chosen the right path of either becoming a hero still or just becoming a regular person and, and living with kind of what their their past was um, versus Midoriya, who still had a lot of struggles, you know, wished he could become a hero, had to go through a lot of bullying from Bakugo and all that, but still still wanted to become a hero even before he had the opportunity to, to get one for all. So I think that that's an interesting dynamic and, and it just keeps... You know, I, I like that the show keeps pushing that point of, um, keeps pushing that point that you, you may have different things happening in your life, but at the end of the day, it is still your choice what you want to do, regardless of, of what influences or pressures you feel in your, in your situation. All right. And I think there was one point, um, towards the end of this, the episode where it bluntly, states that someone I think it might have been gentle or La Brava um, during the fight between him and Midoriya um, it says that gentle is throwing away his shame and his honor to defeat Midoriya um, to continue with living out his dream and again that's I think what is setting villains apart from heroes is that they will do whatever is necessary to meet their end goal. And to an extent, like the heroes also do that, but they do that within righteous bounds, right? Yeah. And one thing that this reminds me of too, because again, Team Bakugo over here, when the League of Villains kidnap Bakugo thinking because of his behavior and his demeanor that he'd be very easy to to bring to their side to, to switch from a hero to a villain... I actually really, really loved that they added that. And it doesn't necessarily have to be Bakugo, but just the fact that they tried to convert one of the, the potential heroes who's in this very impress- impressionable stage. And at the end of the day, it didn't work. Like, it, it just shows that, you know, Bakugo made a conscious decision to become a hero. And despite who he is at his core, um, he is still going to be a hero, regardless of his struggles, regardless of, of his outlook on life. Um, so I thought that was a very clever thing too, that again, plays into this whole like gray area because Bakugo has the makings of a villain. Let's be honest. He's Mm -hmm. very, very powerful. One of the top three in class one, a, 
um, but has that that you know erratic personality. Who ha- he's usually very angry, just because that that's how he is by nature. But he still chooses to become a hero, and and wasn't even swayed in the slightest bit by the League of Villains. So all all this gray area, all this this um, thought provoking storytelling in this show, I think is one of the big things that that keeps drawing me in. But one of the other things I wanted to mention. Um, was at one point, because they're trying to show the parallels between a villain and a hero and how they have the same goals, just different ways of getting there. Um, I, I liked that when, when La Brava gave Gentle her love and he powered up, he tried to knock out Midoriya, but Midoriya still was, was, was pushing forward. And there's that one shot where he starts to speak and, and Gentle's like, whoa, he's still awake. Like he didn't get knocked out. And then it pans or it's it, the camera goes back to, or the shot goes back to Midoriya and he's looking over his shoulder and he looks like a villain. He, he's got blood coming out of his nose. His eyes are all red. He's about to flick his finger and use an air force shot, but he looks very dangerous and very, very scary. And then you see the fear in La Brava and Gentle's eyes when it pans back to them. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was an interesting dynamic because when you think about it, in in gentle story, Midoriya is his villain. Even though he's a he's a hero, you could say that that he's a villain to Gentle because he's holding him back from his goal and trying to to keep him from progressing forward. Um, so I just thought that was very interesting that in that moment and in a couple other moments throughout this gentle arc, Midoriya is almost viewed as as a villain. So or the way that they draw him or, or the situation that he's put in is seen as a villain type situation when it comes to gentle and his goal again adding all those gray areas in there yeah i didn't even notice that kind of juxtaposition until you mentioned it and yeah, i think what this show really excels at at least for this arc is really touching upon those gray areas but at the end still establishing that good is good and bad is bad because um, one more thing i wanted to touch upon is the concept of bright future I think they've mentioned that um, both Midori and Gentle is like the bright future that they're fighting for, but which one, I guess, is the brighter future? Right? Or which one is the right one, right? The right future. Yeah, because it, it all depends on your point of view. Like, if you are someone that identifies very closely with Gentle's mission, then perhaps to you, his goal is the right one. Um, or is considered righteous. It, it's just, it's all very mm-hmm. interesting, and it, it makes you think. So at the end of the day, at least we got that out of the, the gentle arc. Yeah, because they were both saying, like, my dream isn't my own. And Midoriya's, obviously, in this sense, he's fighting for the chance for Aerie to smile and come out of her dark past. And in Gentle's case, it's him wanting to become a legend and also um, making La Brava proud basically, right? So it's kind of like weighing which one in this case is the future that you do want to see and would bring, I guess, more benefit not only to yourself, but to everyone else around you. Yeah. Um, And obviously, I think in this case, with all the gray areas that have been established, you see in the end that it's Midoriya's resolve that is stronger. Um, And Gentle even acknowledges this at the end where he says, you protected everything you stood for and won. Whereas Gentle kind of had to break out of his bounds, again, to try to do what he thought was right, um, but at an expense. Yeah. Um, a couple of things that I wanted to mention that, that are smaller pieces of the episode but I thought were interesting. So first of all, 
Eddie-chan and Medio. Like, I live for this dynamic because Medio is heartbroken that he lost his quirk. Like, well, let's be honest, this guy's going through a lot. My boy Mirio is going through mm-hmm. a lot. But Eddie-chan is almost that, that, um, it's something, she's something for him that fills that gap, right? It, it, she gives him purpose because his purpose before, at least he felt, was his quirk and being, becoming a hero and saving people. Well, he did just that. He saved her, but at a, at a great cost now that he regrets it. But now that they are able to build this, um, brother-sister type relationship, he still feels purpose because he's showing her that things are going to be fine. They're both going through something very, very tough, but they can lean on each other to kind of get through it. Because as we see every episode with the ending, heartbroken every single time when they're showing those shots of class 1A in in their bedrooms, just either sleeping or, or contemplating whatever, um, you get that shot in the bottom row of Medio with his lights off and he is crying and, and I'm PTSD. just like, yeah, he has PTSD. My boy Mario, how could they do him like that? Like, oh, it is heartbreaking. So it just shows that he's struggling on the inside still because of losing his quirk, because of losing his mentor um, and trying to help this girl recover from everything that she's been through while struggling with his own situation um, so it's nice to see that he's still a big part of, of the show overall and that he is still finding purpose and the will to go on through Eddie Chan. And I think, and I think that there's a, a, a mirroring of that because, because of his support, Eddie Chan also feels like she still has some sort of purpose and, and still can, can move forward from everything that she's been through. So I'm living for, for this, this dynamic and this brother-sister relationship. I think it's so cute. But what I was thinking about when they were driving to the school, where is Eraserhead? What's stopping a villain from, like, crashing into this car and freaking Aerie out? And then she suddenly, her quirk goes off, her, her horn grows, and, and everyone starts to rewind into dust. Like, I just think it's interesting that they make such a big deal about getting permission for her to come uh, come to the, the school festival. And, you know, at first they didn't even want visitors around her because she might not be able to control her quirk. But yet here they are riding in a taxi and Eraserhead's nowhere to be found. I just think it's like, shouldn't you learn by now? Like, UA has had a lot of situations where villains will conveniently or inconveniently show up and ruin everything. You'd think that they would take more precaution, especially with Eri-chan. One thing I wanted to touch upon when you mentioned um, Mirio and Eri and their relationship is again kind of going back to analogies that you see between um, heroes and villains is that I think and you can correct me if I'm wrong but Overhaul and Mirio both ended up losing their quirks in the end right yeah because they took his hands away right but then like Mirio instead of making that hinder him, like he gains even more resolve to make sure that Aerie has the best life that she can moving forward. Whereas, you know, overall, his goal was to kind of use her as a means to his end um, in creating all of those, what do you call it, those darts that rendered people quirkless. Yeah. Um, So there's a very interesting dynamic there of two people whose fates almost end up the same at the end but again the brighter future is that of the person who takes what they have 
doesn't let that become a disadvantage to them and still performs for the greater good. So I'm also very eager to see this relationship between Mirio and Eri grow, especially since she's come from a dark past and he's doing his best to bring her out of that. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's like what I'm most excited about. And also just very excited that finally next episode we can see the Bunkasai become a reality and, and see all the fun stuff that they've been planning. Um, one of the other things that I appreciate about this episode was that they played yet again on Midoriya's intelligence and how clever he is because obviously using Gentle's quirk against him by jumping off of those air membranes and then using those as a way to bounce his air air force shots at Gentle I thought was great because I, I always appreciate um, when a sh- when an anime or any show really gives us something that you're like, I didn't see that coming. I didn't even think of that at first, but that's super clever and it makes total sense. Because sometimes there, there's those really overly convenient moments where you're like, yeah, that really wouldn't happen in real life, but they just made it super convenient for the sake of moving this show along. But this, it's like, it's a tiny little detail that only someone like Midoriya, who's very clever and has studied a lot on different hero techniques, would think of on the fly. Because as I'm watching it, like usually you can maybe predict what's going to happen. I didn't think of that at the time. Obviously, that's my first time watching the episode, and I'm, I'm just kind of engulfed in trying to understand what's going on. But I just thought that was very clever, and I like that they continue to show you how Midoriya can think on his feet, which is why he really, at the end of the day, is one step above all the other potential heroes that's what sets him apart not just the fact that he he has all might's quirk yeah and i mean it it, it plays true to his character because you always see him um studying his student or not his, his classmates different quirks and almost like calculating every one of their moves or every one of the villains moves and he even has that notebook um so yeah I think this is a continuation of his keen attention to detail when it comes to being a hero. But like I just thought that was kind of too convenient for him to know exactly where um, each air membrane was. Like, you, how are you, how you going to see air? Right? Yeah, that's true. Like, I, I thought that part was a little far-fetched because had he seen where Gentle had jumped, like his path, then yeah, he may be able to think, like, okay, I think the membrane's around here, but... Gentle and Bravo were way far ahead of him and so he would have had to totally guess where those membranes could be because it's not like they have to be attached to a physical object they can just be there anywhere in the air that he chooses so yeah I guess that that was a little far-fetched but the idea of him using his quirk against him was was interesting all right because again this is just establishing that you know Midoriya is smart like don't just discount him because he's a he's a high school student yeah one of the other things that uh, I I thought this was interesting that Labrava was rubbing dirt on her face. At first, I was like, "Why is she doing that?" But is it because because they wanted to mask their scent from when Hound Dog was coming? Right. Okay, that's what I thought. But then I was also like, "How did she know that Hound Dog was patrolling?" Like, I don't know. That that also seemed like kind of strange to me. I think I think it like wasn't obvious enough why she was doing that. I had to put two and two together by the second time we watched. But I was like, okay whatever I just it was strange to me that like she was doing that but they they hadn't for at least a little while um shown us that hound dog can can smell very well yeah. which I know you can put two together because of his 
his name and, and what he looks like. But I don't know, it just seemed really strange to me. And I guess one pointless thing of this episode, and I don't know if this is going to be touched upon in the coming ones, is like why show Kendo or Nijire or what's her name? Bibimi? Yeah, who um, the hell's that? I don't even know who that is. Yeah, I think they introduced her in like a previous episode, uh, but. But that's like to your point, like I don't even remember who that is. If they have introduced her, I don't even remember who she is. Right. And like, I don't know why they wanted to squeeze that into this because there's really no context for that throughout the rest of the episode because it just focuses on um, a gentle and Midoriya. And I know you, you see other scenes of like All Might reviewing the permit he gave Midoriya to go out or President Mike introducing the start of the festival, which, yeah, those are a little bit more relevant to what we know is going on um, outside of the fight. But I just thought for them to specifically mention these three characters that we don't really identify with was strange. Like maybe we could have seen more of 1A prepping for the band and then wondering like, where's Midoriya? Yeah, because I think maybe my, my thought anyway is like maybe they showed that part um, in the beginning just to say like everything is all hunky-dory back at the school. They have no clue what's going on with Midoriya. But yeah, you're, to your point, it would have been way more effective if they had used a shot of someone from 1A like prepping for something that Midoriya is supposed to be a part of. Um, and I, I just thought the whole the whole episode was so mislabeled. I mean, with our last podcast episode for the previous episode of My Hero, I got so excited because I'm like, oh, School Festival started as the name of the next episode. We're finally going to see the School Festival. But no, it was just another complete gentle criminal arc episode. So why name it School Festival Start? I mean, I know the School Festival literally did start in this episode, but I would have preferred they call it something else because it just seemed really misleading. Yeah, like I called it before, I think they're just going to drag this out like a couple more episodes. I mean, it looks like the gentle arc um, is finished and we can move on to actually enjoying ourselves with the remainder of the festival. Um, But that remains to be seen. Like I have a strange feeling that Ares' quirk is going to play a part at some point. Um, And I thought it was because, you know, maybe gentle does infiltrate the festival and like she'll have to use her quirk in some form to help Midoriya defeat Gentle, but it looks like he is out of the game now. So again, I, like I'm hoping things are going to go well for the festival, but I'm still not sure because Ari is that wild card. And you mentioned before, I don't think on the podcast but when we were chatting that there's that part of the opening where someone throws this jacket up, and I'm right. pretty sure it's it's. Eddie's jacket. It looks like a little girl's jacket. It's like got patches on it and it's bright colored. But then there's a part where it shows Eraser Head. I said like <laughs> what they said <laughs> in the show. Eraser Head um, or Aizawa is holding it and he kind of looks down. Like he looks sad or something or concerned. Like it's a shot of like, it's not an uplifting shot. And it's just for a split second as most of the shots are in the opening. But what we know about anime openings is that they pretty much give you the whole effing plot of that season, which is craziness, but it all just goes by so fast that you can't really put two and two together. But thinking about it a little bit more at this point, I could see, I think you're right, there could be some freak out with her her quirk and maybe something happens and and Eraserhead feels guilty or or Mm -hmm. responsible in some way, which is why we see that shot of him holding the jacket and kind of looking concerned or pensive. It's, it's, it'll be interesting to see. I'm sure we'll see that like 15 episodes from now so yeah (laughs) um 
Any other thoughts, or you want to give your final smash rating? I'll give my rating because I I think I've I've harped enough on the whole gentle arc, and it's hopefully fingers crossed finally over. Because um, I am ready to see the bunkasai. My God, I would give it. Oh boy, I'd give this episode like a seven out of ten smashes because. I think I gave the last episode a six, but this one at least had, it gave the, the characters a little more depth, a little more meaning. It brought in more of that gray area between heroes and villains and, and that stuff I, I do appreciate. So I'd say it's a seven out of 10. What about you? Yeah, same seven smashes out of 10. Um, again, it, it's good to get more backstory of villains who are not just evil for the sake of being evil. Um, I did think like, again, this I've said before, it came pretty late in the game. Um, but I do appreciate that there's a lot of, um, comparisons made between what constitutes a hero, what constitutes a villain, but who ends up being right in the end. Um, and yeah, this was a pretty quick villain battle arc, but I think we need enough of this drama and we just need to go back into having fun. And especially now, even in like modern, like not modern, but like in reality, uh, we need something uplifting at this point. <laughs> yeah. So just give us a great music performance from Class One A in the next episode. I want to escape this reality of quarantine and live vicariously through Class One A and their their school festival that right. I wish I was a part of. <laughs> exactly. But I think that is all for this episode three. So next one, we will be reviewing episode 86, um, or what is that, episode 23 of season four, which will be Let It Flow, School Festival. Let's hope this is the actual festival. Oh my God, please. <laughs> but yeah, I guess see you guys next time. Um, special shout out to Super Newt Ensemble, as always, for the jingle that we use at the beginning and end of this podcast. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Yep, stay healthy. Stay weeb. Stay weeb. <laughs> <laughs>